Welcome to Spread Talk with Pam and John, also known as The Calm, Before the Storm. Our purpose is to elevate the conversation and amplify special education resources. And our why is all about the kids. You know, Pam, there are so many organizations and, and people around Texas who are just making it happen for kids with disabilities. So let's make this a platform to celebrate their efforts because special education is about making the impossible possible. Pam, how are you down there in that bottom corner? <laughs> I'm doing screen on me. Right. There you go. Now you're on my right. Okay. Well, you're as do as you're on top of me. So <laughs> <laughs> whoa. <laughs> I'm maybe that's above oh, yeah. maybe that's above me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing we can edit these things. Exactly. Let's not start. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, I am so excited that y'all agreed to come on and kind of talk through really almost this serendipitous outcome of, uh, you know, my failed attempt to record a podcast with, you know, both of you and, and, and with additional directors from around the state. And we had such a, God, man, such a great conversation that day. Like, I had just individual responses from everyone that joined us just saying, what a cool opportunity it was just to talk with each other and learn from each other and celebrate the work that everyone was doing and you know and Pam and I both were kind of like hey maybe what, wouldn't it be cool if we could get directors out there to just jump on and talk about this stuff but then from that uh, the two of you have connected and kind of continued this collaboration and continued this communication so I'm excited that y'all agreed to come on and talk a little bit about that today so thank y'all absolutely uh that was probably the greatest thing that came out of that was uh, the co collaboration and the extended relationship that I was able to form with not only Joe, but some of the other uh, directors across the state that I had never met before and hearing some of the similar stories and uh, being able to connect with each other. It was, was really great. That's so cool. Yeah. And Joe, I appreciate you coming on, bud, man. It was, you know, every time we get together, man, it's just like lightning, you know, it's just excitement of possibility. And so I felt like in our last uh, time together on here, we didn't really get to explode like we, we always do, you know, with the ideas and the passion. And it was just so many voices to, to share. And so I was so excited for you to come back on with us, man. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Um, and if I can say anything from the last time, I mean, for, for me, it was, uh, as Jennifer pointed out, connecting with, with others, but just hearing what others are, are doing and have to say um, during this time was so beneficial for, for me personally. So uh, I really want to thank you and Pam uh, and Amy for the platform that you're providing during this time. Uh, what I think is pretty cool about is you guys went around the state and we're looking at these things, but what you really does create this platform where you can connect us all even from home um, but without even knowing it, man, you guys were already ahead of the times here. So, um, I think coming out of that and Jennifer and I being able to connect and, uh, bring our teams together, man, that, that's awesome. So, um, so yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. That is cool. I mean, I, I didn't realize you two have connected. So that's, that's really great. Um, cause I, when John and I talked afterwards and he said, Pam, I don't think this is going to work. And I said, okay, but let's not, let's not let this end. 
what we got that day, although we yeah. weren't able to get it published, was that, you know, really some great ideas from different directors across the state. And, and it was just nice to hear what people were thinking, what people were experiencing. Uh, even when you talk, Jennifer, when you were talking about the, uh, the quality of your art meetings being much better than face-to-face -face meeting, being able to actually see parents and actually read them doing the Zoom meetings or your teleconference and how important that was and how, you know, you realize and your team realized, you know, some things that the parents weren't getting maybe in a face-to-face -face meeting because we're up against a clock. We let that pass by and think, oh, it's, you know, no big deal or whatever. And I just thought this is stuff to be shared that, you know, we shouldn't let it go. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's the biggest takeaway that I'm finding from our assessment team as we do these ARDS. Uh, many of our parents have asked if we will continue the online platform for ARD meetings in the future, even after our students return back to school. Um, although it was probably an option that was out there, it was never utilized beforehand. And uh, that our parents are asking for this, what better way to hear our parents in these meetings and to uh, use this as an extension once we do return back to school and keep it as an option for our parents to participate in ARD meetings. So many times our parents can attend a, a meeting if they do it over the phone because they can take a lunch break or they can take a break from work, but they just can't um, utilize the time to drive to the school to participate. And this allows our parents to take that break, allow them to participate in a way that they can see who is in the room, who is in the meeting, they can put a face to a name. And just as much as we read our parents to see how comfortable they are with the plan being created, they can read us to see the care and concern that we're putting towards that plan. And it, it works both ways for our parents and for us. Yeah, it really does, Jennifer. I love that. Uh, that's one of those silver lining moments. I think even Pam and I talked about after the last recording is that, you know, there's always good to come out of this kind of stuff, right? Everyone is struggling, you know, across the globe right now with one, just with the, the, the severe nature of you know, this virus and how, how people are ill and we're losing loved ones and things like that. But we've been just on the other side of that is how do we, how do we continue to take care of our children and, and provide them educational opportunities and you know, just even economy aside, just how do we continue to make sure that we don't just stop living and learning during this crisis? And so, so within that is an opportunity to actually not just continue what we've always done, but to actually transform and move forward in response to what we're going through. And so I think that's a great example and that's just one of many. So thank you for sharing that and highlighting that because I, I know that there are other directors, other educators out there right now. And I've heard similar in our conversations on the last episode that we tried to record, you know, we had different directors saying the same thing that we've seen almost an improvement, like a, 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 a strengthening of relationships or even new relationships being made that, that would absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and what I'm also finding is that we are able to document in a way that we've never been able to document before. We, uh, put in our deliberations and basically the happenings of the ARD meeting, but we're not uh, capturing everything that goes on in that ARD meeting and everything that was agreed to, which that's not what the deliberations are meant for. 
but um, because we do record our uh, Zoom meetings of the ARD, we're able to put a copy of that right into our special education software, mm. into our program. And uh, if a parent is wanting a, a recording or the minutes from that meeting, if we're ever if there's ever a question about what happened in that meeting, the fact that we have this recording just uh, makes it that much stronger with our documentation. So we're finding so many positives through this. And, and I, I've said in the past that, you know, this is unprecedented. We are making a way for ourselves in this. This doesn't have to be a negative thing. We're the authors of this story. We get to decide the outcome of this and we can put a positive spin on this or we can put a negative spin on this. And, mm-hmm. Uh, Joe and I have been talking so much about this is we're not going to sit and wait for someone else to tell us how to respond to this. Um, There's not a best practice. We have to come up with what that's going to be. And um, Joe with uh, the larger school district at Edgewood, the mass numbers that he deals with is, is much larger than what I deal with. But through scaffolding and through collaboration of our own teams, we're able to synergize off of each other and take ideas And just in the last week, the ideas that we've been able to take from each other and implement in our own school districts in our own way um, is enough positive for me to see that without this pandemic and without us having to stretch our brains and come up with some new solutions, we would have never uh, connected and we would have never come up with these great things for our district. So would you like to share, uh, Joe, would you like to share some of the new ideas? Yeah, and before we, we kind of jump into that, um, as Jennifer was was speaking, um, one of the things I, I definitely want to hit uh, hit back about of um, about the arts and those things. But I think what's uh, what better time than Teacher Appreciation Week uh, to really highlight all the work that the teachers are doing. Um, the arts are are going wonderful and and those things and and same here in in Edgewood, but. Um, in reflection and looking, looking back over all of this, uh, what a, what an opportunity to look at teacher appreciation week of our special ed teachers are adaptable, man, are they so adaptable at this time? And when you look mm-hmm. at all the different changes and the things that have happened, um, you know, we've, we've not been given the big reprieve in the world of special education, but our teachers have adapted. They've moved forward. They've learned, they've embraced, uh, all these different, scenarios and platforms and and sometimes that's not the easiest thing to do um we're all human beings we all struggle in different areas maybe technology is not our strength but through all of that to see the teachers uh come out in the front of all of this and really take the lead and do these things um and we're, we're starting to see different leaders that are out and ahead of all of these things so um i really wanted to, to get that out there uh, and really thank just all the teachers in the world of special education. Um, you know, sometimes I, I think it, it gets overlooked of all the hard work they're putting in, but at the same time, man, they have stepped up across the state of Texas to be able to do all these wonderful things um, on these different platforms and still hold arts and still stay in compliance and do instruction. Um, all those same things we do on a day-to-day basis, but we're, they're still finding the way. We're all finding the way. And, and, uh, it, it just goes to show the power of teamwork, but at the same time, just how amazing our teachers are across the state. Amen, man. I have heard that. I've heard that so much from, from people really across the state, you know, and just to even frame this real quick, like this, this, 
this connection right here, like for people that don't have um, just that perspective to know exactly who's on this session, right? We have um, Pam, you know, Pam Humphrey is, you know, up in the Fort Worth area, if you will, you know, and, and Amy Rogers jumping in kind of Dallas, Fort Worth, kind of this, this whole area. And then um, Jose down in the San Antonio area. And uh, of course I call him Jojo, but you know, that's just my little nickname for him. <laughs> But, and, and Jennifer Warren right here in Central Texas with me, kind of in the Waco area, um, Corsicana. So we have like the state, you know, other than the deep south and far up top and side to side, and I, this, the, the, we've got this state kind of on this call. And I think each of us has shared that we've heard that kind of sentiment, that we've heard that it's our teachers, it's our, our special educators that are stepping up and really showing flexibility, innovation, creativity, um, really they're fearless, right? They're the ones out there wanting to do, push the envelope and do for their students. And, you know, I hear stories of life skills teachers and even PPCD teachers Zooming class for their kids at home and leading parents and how to facilitate that from their homes and just all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, special education has always been about making the impossible possible, right, Pam? Exactly. And teachers are doing it. I mean, we've been on Zoom with teachers and you know, it, there's really not a lot of complaints. It's just about how can we improve what we're doing and, yeah. and, and, are, we, and, and are we doing enough and how, how can we support parents, especially parents who have multiple kids and multiple grade levels and then, you know, then have a child with a special need and, you know, needing special ed services, you know, realizing parents are becoming overwhelmed as we, as, as we keep going with this. But the teachers, you know, they're they're there. I mean, they're they're wanting to do what's best for kids, and also as far as ensuring that the students are getting quality education, they're not being left out. Yeah. And you know, I agree with Joe. They are the ones that's making it happen. Well, I definitely have to piggyback on that. And what I can add to that are teachers that are recognizing that our students don't have the access to the online platforms for their classes and the above and beyond approach that they are taking to meet their students' needs through um, either paper packets or reaching out through phone consultations with the parents. Uh, just recently, I'd, I had a um, family that struggled with uh, one of their related services that some equipment broke that uh, is used with um, PT services. And through a collaboration, uh, of the teacher recognizing the need and reaching out to the PT and the PT reaching out to the family, they were able to uh, get that student back uh, to where they needed to be. And it was a beautiful collaboration that uh, our, our staff, our teachers, our related staff, I'm sorry, related service personnel, they're all stepping up in a way and recognizing the new needs of our students and um, not, not even taking a second to consider um, the extra effort that's going to have to go into this. They just jump right in and do what's needed for our students. And it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I think, you know, when we talk about our teachers, we can't forget about our teachers who are our related service providers as well. <clears throat> and they're a huge component right now uh, through all these, these different scenarios. Um, you know, the traditional day-to-day -day school, they're in the classrooms, they're working with our, our students. So, um, our Edgewood OTs, PTs, VI, O&M, AP, all of that now to, to provide those type of related services, our speech, we can't forget about them, um, to be able to provide all of these different uh, services. And so uh, we just had on uh, Friday, 
a student from middle school that was able to get uh, hearing aids uh, who hasn't had them upgraded or updated. Um, uh, he's 12 currently, but since he was six. And so wow. we were able to collaborate with our regional day school uh, partner of Northside mm -hmm. ISD. And, um, you know, it's already a big deal. We had Aid the Silent, which is a provider also, a nonprofit here in San Antonio, all teamed up and worked together to, to go out there. And we would have made it a big deal anyway. Uh, it was a traditional school day. But, you know, we try to blow it up as big as we can. So we did a, a parade, drove by, and were able to, uh, you know, support and say hello. But I think um, – just so important for our school district here in Edgewood, I think what's really cool is that we're also able to collaborate with others around us. And um, which also has led to the collaboration, I believe with Corsicana, because uh, I didn't want to sidestep Pam's question from earlier when she asked. And so I, I was, I was sitting here thinking, how am I going to circle back? Cause I didn't want to. Ah, I like that. that smooth. But um but definitely, you know, as we as we talk about those things, we, we cannot forget about the related services and those related service providers because they are big time. They are big time in stepping up, um, thinking outside the box. How do I get equipment to a home? What are some of the things we can do differently uh, to provide those services? So it's an all around effort from uh, all our teachers, uh, providers, classroom teachers, all of those individuals. Yeah. So the collaboration I'm seeing from our regional day school program for the deaf has just been phenomenal. And so when Joe was sharing about the hearing aids this earlier this week, it was so uh, touching to my heart because deaf ed is so close to me. And, uh, you know, we have over 40 school districts in our regional day school program for the deaf. And the amount of collaboration that's having to happen, not just with our teachers to our families, but our teachers to uh, each of those school districts SPED directors is uh, phenomenal and that's something that happens on a regular basis but um, the added communication and uh, collaboration that has to happen because of the school closures has been phenomenal. I mean I, it, we can sit here and praise uh, our teachers and our related services all day long but it's due and they have put in the work and they have not asked for any recognition they're doing it because it's good for kids. So just yeah. taking a moment to recognize that's a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so you guys, like had Pam had asked earlier, and what kind of things do you guys want to share that have come from this collaboration? I know, Jennifer, you shared a little bit with me the other day, and it got me all excited about <laughs> the possibility of working well, out with other schools, but... Yes, and it's even grown from, from the last time we talked uh, because Joe and I have been able to talk with our teams together and then we've each broken out and, and talked to our, our own school districts and staff members. But uh, really the way this started was, uh, you know, with the, the last time that we all spoke together as a group, um, I had mentioned a, a re-entry plan for our students that this is going to be something that's needed. Uh, our students have new needs now that they are home. Uh, that are going to have to be assessed, the impact of the school closures on our students. And um, although that conversation um, was meant for a podcast that never came to fruition, uh, Joe obviously has the same passion that uh, flows through each of us. And he reached out to me and it was so great to uh, see someone of a like mind that uh, had their interest peaked through this. And through this collaboration, we've come up with 
uh, the idea of a orientation, a back to school orientation for our students and a way for them to uh, re-enter into the school system, whether that is to um, address their needs or social and emotional learning needs because of their eligibility or because of the impact of the school closures or because they are going through a natural transition from one campus to another because mm -hmm. they are moving up grade levels. Uh, and we are looking at what our students are going to face when they come back to the actual school buildings and to proactively address those through uh, lesson planning, structured activities. And yes, we are going to be addressing things that are in our teaks, but this is bigger than the academic impact. This is mm -hmm. the impact um, of the social emotional whole self. Yeah. And making sure that our students, uh, their assistive technology may or may not have been used at home. So if they use a communication board, how we're going to reorient them to using that. Students with behavior intervention plans, how we can uh, make sure that those are reassessed and impactful for when they walk into the school building. And uh, so through talking uh, with Joe on this, we have created our own teams on our own districts and we have uh, brought some of those members together and fireworks happened. They brought up things that I hadn't thought of. I brought up things that turned their brains. So I'm gonna turn it over to Joe and make sure I haven't missed anything up to this point because it's been phenomenal. And, and uh, I'm, I just hope I've covered it all up to this point. What do you say, Joe? Uh, that was beautifully summarized. Um, you know, the podcast originally, John and Pam, as, as every director was kind of sharing, I was just taking notes and uh, Jennifer's right, it piqued my interest. And it was something that had been on my mind, but I really hadn't gotten very far in the thought process. It was obviously something like, yeah, something we're probably gonna need to do, but what is that gonna look like? Um, <clears throat> and as Jennifer was sharing, I was like, oh, okay. Well, she's a lot further in this than, than I am at this point. So what's the worst that can happen? I can reach out to her and she can not respond or she, she can, and, um, and thankfully she did. And as we started to brainstorm and, and talk, it was like, wow, you know, these are needs that obviously um, are there for, for all kids, uh, all our kiddos coming back. And um, as we started to brainstorm, it just kind of took off from there. And then uh, we talked about, well, let's bring our teams on board. Uh, who are some people you would identify? And I'm going to give a shout out to, to my group of Miss Elizondo, who oversees our life skills program, Ms. Gaona, who's our teacher I brought on board, and by the way, teacher of the year. Uh, her campus. Wow, yeah. that's great. Miller, uh, our 18-plus coordinator here at Burleson. And, and so uh, the idea for me was really let's keep this a, a smaller group right now until we, we look at what the expansion is going to look like. And yeah. we were able to meet with the Corsicana team, who are phenomenal. And um, it, it, it's like Jennifer said, the, the team just kind of took it and ran with it. And so even funnier is we have a, a meeting, a team meeting tomorrow. Uh, with all of us and it was my team earlier that texted me uh, Ms. Minner and said hey you know we're supposed to come up with some things for tomorrow so after this call we're meeting <laughs> and we'll be ready tomorrow but even more beautiful in the text message what they you know and, and this is what really sticks to me about the individuals I'm surrounded by is man we got to bring our A game and they said every day man how can you not love that how can you not love being surrounded by people that want to take the opportunity to learn from one another yes. and really grow and, and learn from that? And so as Jennifer and I were, were talking, it's not just about 
the COVID. It's not just about this at this point. How can we use this that's going to be something we transition into every year? Yeah, Is it an orientation that you can use? So if we're just planning for the moment and not planning for the future, then, mm. you know, maybe we we'll spin in our wheels. And that's not how Jennifer and I, as we started talking, we're like, no, let's make this something that we're both going to be able to utilize uh, in the future. And then if other school districts want to use it, uh, you know, transform it in their own way, why not? But yeah, that's what we're here for. So I'll help one another. And I think that was always the basis of the platform that you guys have created. How do we share with one another so we're able to impact more people uh, on top of that, more kids. And so that's basically where it kind of took off. You know, Jennifer, as she was, she was very passionate about, and I heard her in her voice, like, we're going to do this re-entry plan. Like, Man, I need to get on board with that. And so, uh, you know, th thankfully she responded. Else we wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, dude. Well, and I have to say, just knowing that there are people um, that are running special education programs with that same passion, uh, there's an energy that's shared. And, um, and I know that we can all come up with a great idea, but if you can't create the buy-in and you can't show the need and the purpose for it, um, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. And the fact that I was able to share this idea with Joe and him see the purpose and, and the reason to buy in just with one conversation, I knew that we were onto something good. And Joe mentioned that this isn't just a in the moment plan. This is absolutely something that we will take on to each school year because whether our students haven't been in school since March 6th or whatever the school district's um, school closures when they started, um, if whether or not it's March 6th or if it's the end of May and beginning of June, students still go through a period of time of a school closure with the summer break. Yes. And although we have a way to assess for that with services and recruitment and in recovering those skills, this is still just good practice to make sure our students are, are wholly ready to walk mm -hmm. into the school building with the masses. And if we can just take a moment for those most uh, special and, and uh, the needs that are the greatest for our students and address those, our diverse populations, our most diverse populations, and address those needs before they walk into the school building, uh, we're going to put them that far ahead. And if we do that each and every year, how much more school ready they will be and our teachers will be because they'll have those moments with them before school starts as well. So a way that we've extended this since the last time we talked, John, we have uh, met with our teams. And uh, I know for us, we have put together a Google, a Google Doc, a shared document where we can put our resources for pulling lessons for our lesson plans. We are brainstorming scheduling. What will this look like? Is this a two week, four day a week, half day program? Or is this an orientation where we might only do this two full days? We are really hashing that out and putting together all these different scheduling ideas so that when the time comes, we can uh, pin down what would be best for our students. Um, I know that we're also talking about logistics as far as transportation and food service and a budget for this, uh, collecting materials. And uh, we have nine campuses that we serve students at here at Corsicana ISD. Are we going to do this at all nine of our campuses? Are we going to consolidate our elementaries? Um, and that there are pros and cons to each one of those. And so our hope is that as we share this out, we don't necessarily put a cookie cutter plan out for everyone to implement exactly the way that I do or that Joe does. 
but this simply puts a plan out for others to put in their own stamp of creativity and mm -hmm. implement the school district to make it fit for themselves. Uh, I know that there are some school districts that have a higher population of residential facility uh, students. We also have um, high populations of uh, deaf ed students in some areas where others may not. Uh, we have related service needs. We have we're a very rural school district. And if we are rural and someone is looking at this plan from a more urban uh, mindset, they may not have the same needs to address that we are having to address and vice versa. Yeah. So the idea is not to take this plan and implement it exactly the way that Joe and I do, but really just collaborate, foster that collaboration so that they see what uh, great things are happening in other school districts and take it and put their own stamp on it and create something for themselves that's good for students. Yeah, that's awesome. Pam, jump in. I saw you had a question. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about the fact, uh, you know, the fact that you're addressing the social emotional part of it, which is important because you know I don't think you know, when school opens, we'll have a population of kids the the level of their anxiety is going to be so high, and you know, and if we don't address that, how do you know how do we think they're going to be able to learn? Right. They're fearful. I mean, I know sometimes when I go to the grocery store, depending on how much news I've been watching, it's like, oh, God, get me out of here. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Let me run in and get out quickly. And, and now to say, okay, we can't approach school like we did in the past. Right. And I think that's, that's important. And that, you know, it's really being mindful that these students are going to come in with some, a level of fear, a level of anxiety, and and we need some level of reassuring that school is a safe place for them. Absolutely. And we have to also know that our staff are going to come to us with these same anxieties. Right. I'm going yes. to let talk about 321 Insights because this is something beautiful that he brought to my attention that we are implementing here at Corsicana ISD for the 2021 school year and beyond. Uh, so I want Joe to talk about this partnership that we've uh, uh, kind of boosted our power with. And so I'm going to pass it over to him to talk about those uh, social emotional needs of even our staff. Yeah, thank you, Jennifer. So uh, I had the opportunity to attend the Urban Collaborative. Uh, wow, it seems so long ago now, but back in November, and uh, I met the president from 321 Insight, Aaliyah Jackson, and we started talking. And um, at the time, it was more of a, a program called ParaSharp for our paraprofessionals that was really important to me of bringing some tools back for our paraprofessional staff. And um, as we looked into it, we were able to say, okay, this is gonna be a go for our district. And as Jennifer and I started talking, I brought it to her attention. I said, hey, maybe something you wanna look at. Um, as we kind of expanded upon it in some of the tutorials that were coming out from 321 Insight, one of the things that really stood out was they were really addressing not only the students' needs, but I saw where, uh, and I brought it to Jennifer's attention. I said, hey, what if we brought this for our staff needs as well? Because the one thing that uh, as we talk about, well, our kids are going to be coming back and there's going to be some gaps there. But we also have adults as well that mm -hmm. we don't know that they going on of what's been going on at home either. And to come back into um, the situation, we want our, our staff, we want our, our teachers to be mindful and healthy as well. And so that's been the other uh, viewpoint that we've brought along to, to look at how can we address those needs also. So with the help of 321 Insight, we had a conversation with them last week, Jennifer, I believe, um, to brainstorm on how, what type of resources we may be able to implement in the orientation process 
to really focus on our, our teachers uh, and paraprofessionals also as they return back. And so we're really looking at um, not only the whole child, but the whole adult and to bring all of that back around and, and really address that um, with them as well, because that's important. We got to, we have to take care of our staff. And yeah. uh, I love that. Yeah. Show. They, yeah. Yeah, we, one thing that caught my attention with 321 Insights was the fact that uh, they had a, um, a statement that said uh, that we're putting some of our highest need students with our least trained staff. And although we provide training for our paraprofessionals uh, that work with our special education students, I can tell you it's not as in-depth as um, I know that our teachers get trained. And we are very pigeonholed with some of that training. If we know that they will be working with a student with behavior concerns, then uh, we make sure that they are provided uh, with uh, de-escalation techniques and such. But we're not really addressing the function of the behavior and mm -hmm. why the student may be uh, expressing themselves in that way. And what I really like about this ParaSharp in the trauma-informed series that they offer is the fact that we can train our staff how to recognize what, when a student may be experiencing that anxiety or um, when they're not able to de-escalate themselves and self-regulate their own behaviors. And uh, the fact that we are taking the time to train our staff uh, tells us that we know that they are important and it adds value to them as a professional as well. So it's very exciting. Uh, it's it's an added depth to this that I was not aware of or even know, know where to go to get uh, yeah. the resource until Joe and I had that conversation. So it's, it's been a beautiful collaboration all the way around. Well, Jennifer, I'd add, you know, you know, one of the things I, I've reflected on and I continue to do so is the experience I've had working at Region 12 regarding the leadership taking care of kind of at each level that just kind of that next group, that next group, that next group, so that that next group can then care for that next group, right? Below, below, and then whether you look upward or downward or side to side. And, and it's that cultural perspective that, right, if we take care of each other and if we make sure, one, that we're building leadership at all levels, but two, that we are really caring for one another from the top to the bottom, then there's not really any kink in that anywhere along that chain. And so, and I, I think that's analogous here when you think about, you know, our district leaders, our central office staff, our executive leadership, down to the campus leadership, right? If, if, if central office staff is taking care of, you know, th that group beneath them, you know, as far as like the teachers and the principals and things, and then they can then take care of the pairs and then they can take care of, and then all, everyone can then care for the kids. And it's kind of like you set that example of, of that whole child, that whole person approach from the top all the way down. And so I think it is so important. We are all of us are under stress and, 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 you know, a bit of anxiety that normally we wouldn't even be under. Um, but I think, like you said, creating these types of reintegration plans, you know, they say that summer is kind of like the black hole of learning, you know I mean? And so I think historically speaking, research shows that so often, you know, academia really does just get left. Um, sometimes even as soon as the test is over, right, we're done. And so, you know, and, and as far as real meaningful learning, and, and so it, this to me seems like a way to really look at like, okay, how can we, how, how can we offset some of that? How can we ensure that, that for one, the kids are coming back prepped and primed and refreshed and ready to go and the social emotional stuff is taken care of, but also the, 
that academic spark is there and they're ready to learn, but then too, that our staff are grounded and that they feel safe to come back. They feel there's a plan in place. They feel, you know, they don't feel forced into a situation without the support they need to really feel comfortable in their setting. And so it's, it's pretty cool that y'all are looking at really the entire system that way. Absolutely. And, you know, I tell my staff all the time, you can't take care of others in, until you take care of yourself. Um, you have days that are provided to you that are state and local days for a reason. Um, perfect attendance is great. But if you have a need in your life that you're not taking care of and it uh, eventually will impact your ability to do your job, and you're not addressing that need, you can't take care of your students until that need is addressed. And I tell my staff all the time, you take the time that you need because I'd rather you take the time, plan it out, take care of yourself, come back and be your whole self when you come back to work, rather than get yourself into an emergency in which uh, we weren't planning for it. And then you're not able to come back, you're not able to communicate with us what those needs are for our students. And um, everyone is left in a situation of need. And so uh, this is the ultimate way to address that is to make sure that our staff are grounded when they come back, uh, knowing what to expect when their students return, knowing what to expect of themselves, knowing that it's going to be a rocky road possibly for some of our students when we start addressing um, a structured activity and they haven't done a structured activity in half a year. You know, that that's going to be something that we have to address in baby steps. And when a student acts out, we know that we didn't break that step down enough to present it to them in a way that they felt like they could be successful with it. So, uh, you know, just taking care of ourselves before we take care of our students sounds uh, very selfish, but in the end, it's actually the best way to make sure that our students are taken care of. And I think that the, taking this 321 insights approach to trauma-informed staff and tra trauma-informed students, uh, we are able to address those needs in the best way possible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's selfish. It's kind of like being on the airplane, you know, and the oxygen will drop. The instruction is put, put the oxygen max on yourself first. Absolutely. And I think you have to take that approach. Yeah. You want to make sure the adults are as healthy as possible and as, you know, emotionally prepared for what's ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is a pre-planned, proactive, targeted approach. Uh, to make sure that everyone is taken care of. Uh, we think about the students so much, and, and, and that is at the heart of taking care of our staff and making sure that we take care of ourselves first. Uh, and taking this targeted approach, we're able to really minimize uh, the risk and the chaos that may come if we don't address these needs uh, when our students all come to us on the very first day of school and we haven't addressed these needs with our staff and our students. Um, I think it's very wise of us to take a step back and uh, address these needs before the masses uh, enter the building. Yeah. And you know, that's actually something else that came up in our team meetings is that what if we start out this next school year either with a delayed start or a digital platform? Uh, are we still going to do this orientation? And um, I, I asked my team, well, what is the purpose of this? The purpose of this is when we change uh, what they're used to and coming back into the school building if we are asking our students uh, to come back to an online platform after the summer break, do we need to have some type of orientation for them? And then additionally, do we need to have some type of orientation or reentry plan into the building? Mm -hmm. 
And if we ask ourselves that question, I think we're going to find that if we go uh, enter into the next school year with a digital platform, there is going to have to be some type of communication out to our parents to make sure our special education students' needs are met. But then additionally, when our students are getting ready to walk into that school building, whether it's on the first scheduled day of school or beyond that, uh, that's when this orientation plan really takes effect because that's when uh, the different attitudes and the different eligibilities and the different uh, diverse needs come together. And that's when we're really going to ha have to assess these needs for our students. Yeah, you know, you know, what you're describing, everything I hear is really what makes me think of just us becoming kind of more agile, more responsive, more ability to, you know, to adapt, to, you know, tend to the needs of our staff, to make sure everyone knows, hey, you're good, we got you. If you, if you what, is, what are your needs? Let's make sure we take care of those. And on the flip side of that, you'll be able to do that for your students, right? We're, we're, we're almost designing it as such. But it, it's almost like, listen, you know, these are phases we're going through. And, and, and anytime you go through these types of transitions, you, you phase in one direction. And sometimes, you, you know, it's just not this continuous phase. You have to circle back and, and look at where you're at in that, in that phase and maybe start over or maybe pick up where you left off or maybe move forward. Or, and, and really even consider maybe even, like you said, a blended approach to this stuff. Because it may be that we start back up in August and that, that we have, you know, some type of a initiative from the governor that says, look, you know, there's still a threat out there. There's still stuff going on, but the economy has to move on and life has to go on. So for those that feel safe, you know, come on back. And for those that don't, schools, you know, do a digital platform. And I mean, I, I think we have to be thinking through these variances because the reality is that could be our reality in a few months from now. And, and who knows how long, you know, and so, so I, I, you know, everything y'all are describing really is almost like this universal, a global perspective on how to take a system and, and create adaptability to that system and, and, and allow it to be kind of lean and agile and respond to what comes, whatever that may be, but not feel like we have to know exactly what's coming and plan for that one thing. It's more like, hey, let's look inward, care for one another, make sure that we are all on the same page, open communication, collaboration, and that we know how to proceed. And if we hit a, a, a glitch, that we circle back and know, okay, let's regroup and then we'll move forward. Right. You know, I, I definitely see this as a, a ministry versus mission field because uh, as we minister to our own staff and make sure that their needs are met, uh, like you said, looking inward, then we can look outward to those uh, in our field of expertise and, and responsibility and then meet those needs. So it's definitely uh, a time for us to circle in, look at each other, take a, a collaborative approach to make sure we are okay uh, to accept our students and then uh, make that plan, turn around, look at what's behind us, uh, whether that's a digital platform or uh, distance learning of whatever nature uh, or coming back to school on that very first day and uh, we'll be prepared to uh, approach that situation, whichever one it may be, uh, uh, within our mission field. And so definitely taking that inward approach and then feeling comfortable to turn around and walk outward to our students. Yeah, I think what Jennifer described and what you did too, John, is it's very much looking at that blended learning and what that's going to look like moving forward uh, in the different areas or, or different phases. Um, I was taking notes as you guys were talking. Uh, one of the things uh, that 
when you brought up the phases, it really made me think about the instructional continuity plan that TA put out in regard to the different phases. And so kind of my mindset went in, okay, let me look at these phases a little differently. And I'll probably reflect on that um, after we get off this, this podcast. Um, what I wanted to also is, uh, and how can you not get excited when Jennifer's speaking, man? She gets you excited. <laughs> it, it makes you just really start to, to think introspectively about all that can be done. But um, having the opportunity to meet you and Pam, I consider you guys mentors to me. Uh, so what would be something in, in this conversation that we've had that you think that maybe we haven't touched upon um, as we think about these things? Uh, you know, sometimes as you have conversations with one another, you think, and you bring other people in and yeah. you think you might have covered it all, but in, in having the conversation as well, um, you know, maybe there's some that you guys have thought, hey, you know, that could be kind of cool if they did this or brought that to their to our attention. So, um, as as mentors to to me, you guys let I uh, want to hear from you all what 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 you two think. Yeah, one thing I was thinking about, and it, and it had really had to do with I like you don't know Jennifer. I have to have links up stuff to the story, but it had to do with watching this young man on TV who owns a restaurant. And so they opened up, but his level of fear, cause he could not control the social distancing. This guy looked like he was in his thirties, young 30. He's the manager of this restaurant. And he's like, you could just tell that he was pretty much, much emotionally whipped because there was something out of his control. And he was also concerned about his customers and not wanting them to get sick. You know, everything that we worry about with this virus was on this the shoulder of this young man. So when you're looking at young teachers or young staff members, you know, you have to really kind of delve deep. Where are they in their emotional, you know, that sometimes we look at, you know, reentry or we look at, yeah. you know, things, putting things together. We might have to step out of that. I know you guys are stepping out of that education world but really go places that you possibly might not have gone in the past because, you know, when we think about, you know, the teachers and the age of our teachers, they're fairly young and then they're responsible for so many kids. And I always tell people education is one of the few businesses that where when you walk in day one on a job, you're responsible for anywhere from 15 to 20, 30, 100 kids, depending on what you're teaching. There's nowhere else to be 21 year old or 22 year old that you're given that level of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And now to go in with that level of responsibility plus with COVID-19, plus with kids who've been at home and not, you know, and not know exactly what they've seen, if they've had death in their families, or even if your teachers had death in their families, is that we, you know, I guess it's just to just be kind, which I know you two will be, but it's also be aware that that people will be coming in at different phases. You'll have people who actually who prefer our online platform. If we go to you have to have to go through phases or blended learning, mm-hmm. as John was talking about, they'd be more comfortable with staying at home if that was possible. You know, it's just going to be, you know, everything's going to be. Okay, I'm going to say tipsy turvy but topsy turvy is that's the correct word is that just be just going back to being mindful that 
when we're looking at our staffs and we're looking at the age and look at the experience, um, just another story reminded me of was my daughter came home and she called me and she was pretty upset. And her, my grandson, I guess he was in the fourth grade then, and she was upset because they had went to teacher, a teacher conference and you had this, she said, mom, we have this, she, she can't be more than 25 years old. And the teacher broke down in tears because she was trying to assure all the parents that she would try to keep her, their, their kids safe if there was an active shooter. And so you see that, that we're putting that pressure on, on teachers. Now, forget the active shooter. Now we're saying we have this virus. Mm -hmm. We don't, which we have, right. We have no control over, there's, there's no active virus drills, you know? And so it's like opening up those conversations about where are their emotion, teachers are emotionally and what do they fear and just, you know, have that honest platform so mm -hmm. where they're able to share what their thoughts are, what, you know, what their fears are, you know, even their recommendations to help each other. Yeah. Because this is going to be a tough time for people to come back to campuses, uh, especially elementary campuses where you, you know, kids tend to get sick yeah. more. I mean, that's just not uncommon. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, just, just that. I think that's all I would say, Joe. I'm not sure if that's good advice, but that's the mother and me, the grandmother and me would say that and, and, and been adopting this teacher appreciation week and I've adopted some, you know, a young teacher and, you know, I'm just sitting there thinking, wow. And she's teaching kindergarten, which is something I would never do. But, <laughs> but I <did>. just, <laughs> Pam, as my mom, as my mom would say, motherly advice is the best advice. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's right. So just just be mindful that you know this is not going to be typical, and and we should be able to dialogue with people yeah. about where they are emotionally yeah. and and what their fears are, mm -hmm. and even even you know having a platform for those who don't want to share it publicly but privately what's going on because we don't know you know what's yeah. going on because some people don't share I, you know, i'm one of those sometimes so you know just as you as you look at your re-entry and preparing for you know especially for your staff that they have they know it's a safe place mm -hmm. to be honest there's nothing yeah. wrong about being fearful yeah. there's nothing wrong about just saying I'm not sure if I can do this. I want to do this, but I got to get over when I'm fearing, you know, what's going on inside of me. So that's, yeah. that's what I have. I, I would, you know, and I think that's great advice. And that's mama bear right there. You know, just so you <laughs> know, me and Amy and Pam, we all came up with what our, I guess what our animal was going to be. I don't even know if I remember what mine was, but I know you I were know. mama bear. Yeah, it was mom. Yeah, my spirit animal. Spirit animal was mama bear. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember what I was, but no, you said I was like a cheetah, right? Yeah, something. Yeah. You said, John, because you're like always on the move. You never stop. Exactly. You down. You're always on the prey. And yeah, I can't remember what Amy's was, but anyway, she, was she an owl? She was an owl. An owl. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, she was wise, and she, you know. Yeah. So, but anyway, Joe. First of all. When you when you say things like we're your mentors, so like I, I won't speak for Pam, but you know, I am so blessed in my life to to come from what I came from uh, and to struggle to this point in my life and to 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 be seen as an equal or even to be talked of as a, like as a mentor to people that I admire myself. And so, 
I just think that, you know, Pam and I both enjoy this platform because it allows us to showcase individuals like you, Jennifer, just so many people out there that really share in our passion and share in this positivity for what can be for our students with really differing abilities across the world. And, and so it's just really how do we elevate, create possibilities and, and, and excitement from, from people like yourselves. And so thank you for that comment. That was fabulous. But I really think it goes both ways. Dude. You're my mentor. You know, Pam is my mentor. You know, and I'm a crazy person. I think in some ways Jennifer mentors me. Like I learn stuff from her every time I talk to her. And she and she and I get going. Just it's crazy. It's that synergy. It's that energy that starts going like ideas when you connect with the right people who want to like dream up to make things better. And so, um, but you know, I turn to my kids the same way. You know, Mia, my 13 year old, my 12 year old. Look, like, man, I steal ideas from them every day. You know, because like they have these novel ideas. So I think it's about. You know, I love that, like, just not being closed off, right? Being open to the fact that everyone has something to offer, right? Everyone has a novel idea and, and something to share. And sometimes those ideas are the ones that are offsetting to us in some ways. Or sometimes, you know, like, I will get a comment or something that I, I get resistant to in my Im immediate response. And then that part of me that wants to understand always makes me circle back and question, you know, what was it that I intended? And then what was that result for that one person? Why was it not perceived the way I thought it should have been? And so I think two things to remember is, you know, everyone right now is being forced to feel vulnerable, whether they want to be or not. And like Pam alluded to, some people are better with showing that vulnerability than others. And so I think it's important that we as leaders remember that we have to, you know, in doses, right? We have to show our vulnerability. We have to show, um, you know, the kinks in our armor. And we have to own that stuff. And, we, and, and like both of y'all do, you know, we have to give those successes to the, our teams because they're the ones out doing the work, right? We're idea people. You know, we have these ideas, and, but we don't go out there on the front lines to implement it. It's like you've got, you build this team of people that you can dream something up and it'd be abstract, but you know what it could be. And then they go together and they put it together and make it work. And then you go, wow that's 10 times better than I even thought, you know? And so, so I think it's that we remember that we have to remain vulnerable if we want them to be vulnerable. And what that means is when we're confronted with things that didn't go as planned, that we thought should have been a certain way that we are, are, are humble and that we have humility to say, you know, okay, maybe that was my fault. Maybe I'll own that versus it be that person that's upset at that moment. The other thing is empathy. And I think this is something Pam and I got kind of really indoctrinated into in our design thinking training as liaisons, but also, you know, even in my background as a counselor, a lot of times, you know, I was that one that could, that could help certain kids when other people couldn't, you know, a lot of our kids right now that are struggling the most I hear are students with emotional disturbances that come to school for that one relationship. It's that one person, that one positive person in their life that sometimes out in the world, they just don't have. And I've heard of some sad stories with some of my AV kids out there that um, just aren't faring well right now, you know? So it's, it's how can we seek uh, to understand, you know, how can we better understand one, the kids, like we can make all the plans in the world for them, you know, but if their voice is not in those plans, we've missed, we've left a lot of them behind and we're making assumptions about what they need when they get back without really getting them to tell us. 
So that's not easy to do. You know, how do you get a kid sitting on the couch in their house? Sometimes we can't even get them in the classroom to tell us what they need, but how do we now get students' voice really elevated up to these conversations? And then two, you know, the decisions we're making. And then of course our parents and our teachers, you know, like, you know, what do they need us to know so that we can make sure these plans are really and truly going to hit home and then, and, and last, you know, and be meaningful and purposeful because we don't want to do this work just to do it. Like we're trying to create something here to make lives better. And so I think that's the big thing is just remembering to stay vulnerable and to, that's, that's uncomfortable. But then the other part is just always that empathy piece. And I would agree with John. Yes, I heard too. And common language between the two of you. Just uh, Pam, when you said to, to be mindful of those hidden anxieties, and then John, what I'm hearing you say is the empathy and be mindful of the hidden unknowns of we think we're addressing the needs that are going to be brought to us, mm -hmm. but we don't know what those are because we haven't assessed the impact yet. And uh, so we have to leave a, a sense of flexibility in these plans that as much as we know uh, at some point how we will receive our students and when we will receive them, we don't necessarily know what they're bringing with them as far as those anxieties and how they will manifest. And uh, we've got to stay open-minded with that. And I think, um, I think those were very wise words that I wrote down and I will revisit many, many times. <laughs> And one thing to think about is, as the school year is ending, is that maybe this is a good time to do this. You'll, you'll have your teams meeting, but also some pre-work with your families and start asking the question, because this is actually maybe the time you might have the opportunity now to really, you know, to, you know have host some Zoom meetings and just give parents inputs about you know what their concerns are about kids coming yeah. in you know coming to school or even for your older students or even your younger students it doesn't really matter with age if is that you know they they're able to share with you all what their concerns are and and instead of you know teaching something that day or you know text-based stuff mm -hmm. which is important i know it is is that <laughs> that you know you actually say okay let's do it for this week we're going to we're going to try to get as much information as we can from our parents as well as our as our students. And maybe a week, and maybe two weeks. But allow yourself some flexibility to gather that information because that's the only way you're going to know while you're doing your planning, instead of waiting after the fact and try to plan around, you know, revamp your plans, mm -hmm. if, you know, and wait on the input. Now is the time is you know to get really that information. So as you move forward, you know what you're looking at. Not say it won't change by the time schools start, but at least you have a starting point as far as what parents are thinking, as far as what students are thinking. You know, if you're using Zoom or any other the formats, that's just a quick, you know, get some questions. Your team come up with some really good questions that you think will lead you to get the information you want. And make sure it's, you know, you want to keep those questions open-ended not yes and no, because you're not going to get anything. You know, it's like a true or false. You know, <laughs> you don't yeah. really get anything with that those type of questions. So, you know, come as your team meets, you think about some open-ended questions for your students as well as for your parents, yeah. and they'll help you. I I love that advice. Um, 
and uh, John, if I can, and Pam, if I can give you all a follow-up. Uh, one of the things you said, too, about the leadership piece that I think is very important is sometimes as the idea of people, you're right, we're not on the front lines all the day in the day-to-day -day implementation. Um, and so uh, one of the things I think would be cool for you all, and for me personally, and I'm not speaking for Jennifer, but I kind of am. Uh, <laughs> You're, you're close now. You just speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. We're meeting with our teams tomorrow, but I would love the opportunity for them as we go through this process and maybe a couple of weeks down the road for them to have the opportunity with Jennifer and I off to the side, have this conversation with you guys. Yeah. Where you're able, uh, as you've conversation with us, but to lead um, some of those probing questions with them on what their experience felt like, because I feel like I could learn a lot from what they thought of the process. Do they feel included hundred percent of the time? What could we have done mm -hmm. differently? You know, uh, as being a leader, you know, you're going to take the good and the bad of, of the, the feedback. And I, I think um, as we've gone through this conversation, I'm sitting here reflecting going, man, I would love to hear what they have to say uh down the road of this process and what they feel they've learned, what we could do different, because that's the only way I'm going to learn also. Yeah. Um, and I try to implicitly, and I know they will be very honest with me, but I also would be curious on how they felt uh, teamwork-wise. And yeah. um, to me, that's cool, uh, because I know you and Pam can ask some, some really uh, deep questions that would have them think, and uh, that would help me on the process moving forward uh, of what that, and what they felt this, this look like because this is different for everyone. Jennifer, Jennifer and I have never met in person. Uh, I only know Jennifer from uh, the Zoom. And, yeah. uh, and so to, to work on the collaboration like this with not having met someone face to face, uh, had a conversation, this is different. And now you yes. bring a team together yeah. that have never met one another and they're talking and they're getting ideas. So um, it would just be for me really more of what I can do better next time, but also learning from it, but learning from them. Uh, so it's just the thought. No, uh, Jeff, well, I, I think it's great. You know, I have felt that. through this whole pandemic and the school closures that as leaders that we've been called uh, to be the calm uh, mm -hmm. of, of the storm. And I know that um, a lot of our staff members especially right at the beginning, as we all were, had more questions than answers. And we may still have more questions and answers at this point, but um, as we're working towards these answers, I do feel that we're taking some ownership in our own uh, futures and how we're going to respond to our students. And for me, um, I'm not going to sit and wait. And so as a leader, uh, I do hope that what I'm doing is providing uh, some type of peace to the staff members that I work with and uh, letting them know uh, something in the works for our students and for our staff to be successful in the future. Uh, what we're recognizing uh, right now are a whole lot of needs with our students and it's, it can become very overwhelming. And so uh, just as that leader piece, it is about providing that reassurance that what we're doing is reasonable, what we're doing is good for kids, what we're doing is uh, great for our families. We are building relationships and communicating like we have never done before in such a positive way and reassuring our staff members so that when we do come back on board, they've had a piece of the buy-in with this from the ground up. 
uh, you, uh, Joe mentioned earlier who his team members were uh, that he brought to the table uh, for this reentry planning. And uh, I brought in Ade Rubio, one of our LSSPs. I brought in Laurie Franklin, one of our diagnosticians, uh, Michelle Claiborne, who will actually be an art facilitator for me this next school year. Uh, but each of them uh, have a very special reason why they were brought to the table. And um, it's because I know that if I could create the buy-in with them, then what they, they would then turn around and do is talk to each of their campuses and each of their, uh, the staff members that share their role and uh, speak on it and create the buy-in within them so that when this gets bigger and we have uh, more people involved, it's not the first time they've heard about it with a positive view. And so uh, kind of building that capacity before it rolls out so that when people hear about it, they already have that buy-in. And so as leaders, I think what we're doing is not only providing a calm, for our staff members, but also providing reasonable expectations and a hope for the future. Yeah, I like that because you definitely want to share um, information. You know, I think about the kind of old way of doing things was, hey, we don't want to burden people with information, so let's just not give them any, you know, and that way they don't have to worry. But the reality is they're going to worry one way or another, right? People worry. So the more information we can share, um, in a way that allows them to be part of that conversation, I think the more um, we get to frame and shape and really define what this experience one is and how we're going to respond to it. And so, you know, because if we don't give them any information, they just make it up. You know, so the, you, you might as well give them some information and give them some parameters, but do so in a way that show, hey, we are being proactive. Not only that, we have a plan in place and you are going to be part of that plan. And then even more impactful is eliciting those voices and saying, and hey, so now we need you to tell us, like Joe said, what do you think this process has been like and where do we have gaps? What do we need to fill in? So I think that's just, that's fabulous, guys. Absolutely. And I do think that through this uh, added pressure and these tense times, we have seen some uh, staff members rise up as leaders that maybe we did not recognize before because they were never put in a pressure situation to rise to the occasion. And so something beautiful that's happening on our end at Corsicana ISD is I'm seeing staff members step up into leadership roles and decision-making uh, capabilities that I wasn't sure uh, if they, that existed or not because they had not been given the opportunity. And so what we're seeing uh, are uh, special ed teachers that may be uh, great candidates to become diagnosticians in the future or LSSPs that we, we did not see those capabilities, not because we didn't think, think that they were capable, they were just never put in the situation to provide that for us. And, um, and because I'm uh, over other special programs such as uh, dyslexia, I'm seeing that with those uh, therapists as well, the decision-making and the outside of the box thinking on how we can reach our students through this pandemic mm -hmm. has shown me uh, that it's okay to take a step back and let others take the reign because they are the ones that are in the front lines and they see the needs of those students and they're not asking permission. They're doing what's good for students uh, out of instinct. And, and it's beautiful to watch. And of course, I'm in the background taking notes because I want to make sure that they're not only recognized for their efforts, and, and I know that's not why they're doing it, but it does need to be uh, noticed what they're doing. But then also 
who may be good uh, leaders in the future of those programs and, and making sure that they are reaching their full potential, whether that's through certifications or degrees or mm -hmm. uh, encouragement to possibly go a step further to build some sustainability in our programs. That's powerful. Yeah. Pam. I was going to say, Joe, I, cause I remember when we came to Burleson and one thing you, you said, one of your goal was to produce leaders. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, Ms. Guyona, who was selected as the teacher, I'll give you a background of why. Uh, very early on, I guess maybe about the second week we were at home, she sent an email to me, um, which I thought was beautiful because uh, I called her. Uh, but the email basically stated, uh, my goal is to be you. I want to be a special ed director. How can I, how can I do that? So I called her and I said, and I love it. Uh, and uh, so I said, well, I'm kind of working on something right now. Would you like to be a part of that? Which was, um, it was very early in discussions with Jennifer. But recognizing that someone has an attitude of wanting to put themselves out there, that's not easy to email someone says, hey, I want to have your job. I thought yeah. that was the coolest thing in the world. Um, I'm like, yeah, for sure. How can I help? Uh, mm -hmm. And then what a beautiful opportunity is Jennifer and I are, are we're speaking of, hey, you know, we got this idea then bring someone else, uh, bring someone along, let them from the ground level, learn what that looks like, uh, have those conversations. Um, and I think that's part of the leader leadership is the vulnerability. Um, man, titles are just titles. Uh, at the end of the day, we're teachers at heart and if we, then we shouldn't be sitting in the seats we sit in. And so our job should be to, to lift others, guide others, uh, mentor at the same time. They're going to mentor me. And that's what I find so beautiful about this is that if we can build the future leaders um, that may stay here in Edgewood, maybe they go somewhere else, but they learn from that to yep. help other kids and other adults. That's, that's the beauty of it all. And so that's what I look forward to the most in these collaborations is learning from others, but at the same time bringing in others that maybe wouldn't have this opportunity so they can learn as well. And they take that and grow from that to be the future uh, leadership, wherever that may be. Um, and I hope it is here and that I'm hopefully building where the next evolution of those leaders is here, but can, can branch out anywhere. So I thought that was the coolest thing when she reached out to me and I said, hey, if you got any other friends that want, to, want my job too, let me know. <laughs> bring them on, baby, bring them on, yeah. You know, I do, I do see that as the greatest evidence of uh, creating a safe environment for our staff members. Yeah. If they feel safe enough to reach out and say, I want your job. <laughs> um, and, and we receive that in a non-threatening way and we right. know uh, they see themselves as a future leader most likely they're already leading in some city in their current role. And um, I certainly would never want to be the ceiling to that. And so uh, as we've had those uh, at Corsicana do the same thing, reach out to me and, and say that there's a portion of my uh, duties and responsibilities that they're interested in learning more about so that possibly they could do that in the future. I see it as a huge compliment and um, uh, there's, then there's a sense of responsibility that comes with that. And uh, there is that fear that you may train someone uh, to leave, but uh, like Joe was saying, that means that they're leaving to impact students in another school district or another region. And um, if you keep building your leaders and you keep building a group, each generation of teachers that come through, um, 
you, you're going to lose good people to go and do good things at other right. places. Um, uh, but you've got another group coming up. And uh, as long as you keep building that um, each and every year, you build that sustainability so that if you even step away, that the machine will keep running on its own. Mm -hmm. And uh, recognizing who those leaders are and their strengths and responsibilities um, that they hold and being able to implement that in a leadership role is beautiful. And I think, Joe, that just shows the evidence of your safe environment that you've created for your staff members, that they felt comfortable that she could email you and say that's what she wanted. And then uh, the affirmation of that safe environment that you didn't respond with a threatening manner, that instead you uh, supported her and uh, yeah. provided her an outlet to, to get involved. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, that is that is that is great work. I mean, I think that's what it's all about is that we we uh, find those leadership characteristics in others and they help us refine ours and we help them refine theirs and through that all right. Everyone's elevated in that process. And 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 yeah, I mean, we hate to lose good people. But man, I'll tell you what, it sure is exciting to think they're going out to sprinkle that goodness on other systems and other you know departments and other kids and other, you know, and you know that that's that bigger impact right? That's the bigger impact of what we're doing is that through relationship and through kindness and courage and, and decisiveness and, and just shared knowledge that, that that's, that's what we're doing here. And so, you know, I, I'm really excited you guys came on today. I feel like this was a, Pam, this might be one of our best ones so far. <laughs> I know, John, they're always... <laughs> Now, I, I'm always so ramped up and excited at the end of our podcast. And but today was special, guys. Jennifer and Joe, thank you all. Pam, I see you got one last. What did you want? Yeah, to I was going to say to Joe's question if we would come on and oh, yeah. meet with their team. The answer is yes. We didn't. We, we're not ignoring your question. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, they keep talking, but they didn't. We gotta get, my question. We got to get our people. Yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. 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 <laughs> I, okay. I, I love it. That. I appreciate that. And I think they would appreciate that as yes. well. Um, you know, if I can just, uh, on my parting words for, for us is thank you guys for this platform. Um, but also thank you for just reaching out to many different individuals uh, to share ideas, to learn from and branch this, this professional network out further than what we typically, uh, our networks stay within our area or where we live. And it's comfortable, but this is this is pretty cool to branch out and learn from others from across the state and take um, just a shared passion, uh, vision, mission that everyone is doing, and just grow upon that and expand upon that so we can help more kids. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's that's what this is all about. It's not about anything personal of of glory and those type of things or rewards. This is about being able to give back to our communities and then some. And yeah. learn from one another and just be better. Yeah. You know, every day we just wake up and we can just be better. Be better. And if you learn from one another and, and Pam, I think you said just be kind. Yeah. There's nothing there's nothing greater than, than that that we can do. Respect for one another, compassion, dignity, and just just do right. And I think yeah. this is the platform, John. I mean, you guys by just having us on the first time and expanding upon that has given us the opportunity to grow. And um, without that, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to hear Jennifer and reach out to her. And, and hopefully if there's others out there that hear this and they reach out to us and then they become, you know, uh, partners and whatever that may look like. I mean, yeah. that, 
right. beauty of this. And so I thank you guys for that because uh, this has been just so overwhelming for me of knowing to be a part of something like this, but to learn from from everyone. So so I thank you. Um, I, I really do. So. Well, I, I'm just going to have to just repeat his words because he said it so well that, you know, just thanking you, you, you and Pam both for the outlet to be able to share our ideas and to build off of each other. Um, our ideas are only as good as our own experiences and in, in the creativity that we can put into that. But when we start sharing our experiences and sharing that creativity, um, just building on those shared experiences to build something even better than what we could have done on our own um, and the collaboration that happens with that is, is the, the goodness that comes out of this. And just remembering that we have amazing staff that work for us to, to reach out to the front lines of the students, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. And the fact that we have this platform to share those ideas and, and, and to shout out our own staff members. And it's always a great time to take the opportunity to do that. So thank you, Pam. Thank you, John. Well, thank you both for coming on. Really yeah, it's always that. our pleasure. Yeah, we love elevating the work of passionate people like you guys and, and really looking for the good stuff around the state. And you guys definitely exemplify that. And my, my parting words are, may the fourth be with you. <laughs> You guys have a great day. Be blessed with what you do and bless others. To continue to elevate the conversation, hit us up on Twitter at SpedTalk2020, where you can find links to all of our episodes and each of the resources that we discussed today. John, also links to the resources will be available at our podcast site. And if you found these resources helpful, be sure to share them with, with a friend because information should always flow through us, not to us. That will do it for this episode of Spat Talk. And remember, courage creates culture and kindness keeps us connected. Until the next time, I'm Pam. And I've been John. And this is Spat Talk. Talk. Living in the moment and the moment is the future.